Glory, glory, Sacramento! Hello and welcome to the 916 Republic Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Winnick, and today is a special episode as me and Scott get to sit down with Richard Ivanovsky, one of the co-hosts of the Rise of the Republic podcast. We sat down, talked about the, the reviews of both of these games that we've had against Tacoma and then Portland, as well as spent some time, some considerable time, talking about our playoff game against Phoenix. It's a great episode. I'm super excited. Can't wait for you to listen. All right, everyone. We are here going to do some review of uh, some games and a preview of a playoff game. But uh, because of the uniqueness that is this episode, the specialness that is this episode, uh, it's pertinent that we do a little intro. So if you're hearing my voice for the first time, hello, (laughs) my name is Scott. I am one of the co-hosts of the 916 Republic podcast. I've been following the team uh, as a fan since the end of the 2014 season. Um, and I've, we've had our podcast for a little over a year and a half now. Uh, so it's been, um, an interesting ride and I'm super excited to, uh, be with my co-host Zach. Zach, do you want to tell the people a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is Zach Winnick. I have been, been a fan of the Sac Republic as long as Scott. Scott actually invited me to my first game and he was like, yo man, there's this cool new soccer team in, uh, in Sacramento. And they're playing a preseason game. Let's go watch. And we go to the second division, well, third division at the time. Third division. Third division U.S. soccer game in a 20,000-seat arena. And it's packed. And I think, honestly, since then, we were hooked. We had season tickets, you know, maybe a month later. Um, And we just, you know, we needed needed an outlet. We needed a source uh, for all of our, uh, I don't know, Sac Republic stuff going on in our head. So we were like, let's start a podcast. Nolan... Um, another one of our co-hosts and Scott started a podcast and I came on quickly thereafter. And uh, yeah, it's been great ever since. And if you are listening on the Rise of the Republic uh, feed, you're like, what about our guy? <laughs> uh, so Rich, how about, you tell, last. how about you tell a little bit about yourself to the 916 Republic people? Yes, sir. Yeah, what's happening, everyone? Uh, to, to the people in my feed, don't worry, I am here. Uh, and to the people who have never heard of me, Listen, uh, I'm okay. I'm an all right guy. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'll fit right in here. Um, yeah, we got a lot of crossover synergy happening today. Really excited about it. Um, unfortunately, my co-host is out dealing with some personal stuff. So uh, we thought we would collaborate on one. And yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm really excited for it. Yeah, and if there's one thing Rich is definitely better at than me, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, but it's at growing a beard. I was going to say, are you it really going to give this to large. Him? Well, I mean, my beard does get big, but I don't keep it that big. So yeah. you have to give credit to the guy who has the bigger beard. So they're, Richard, they're both, you're already a better man than I am. They're both in 11 out of 10 beards, okay? As an outside party, I will tell you, the listener. <laughs> an outside party Some that great has beards. zero facial hair. <laughs> it is. I'm none, none whatsoever. I, I have, couldn't uh, even if I tried. Sorry, Rich. Sorry, Rich. I'm, I'm going quantity, I'd say. And, and maybe Scott's <laughs> going quality. I, we both, yeah, we both deserve, uh, we both deserve some, some accolades here. I will say um, to anyone just that, just to get to know me real quick, um, I do write for the Sacramento Bee. Um, I've been covering the Sacramento Kings for a while, but I mean, listen, you know, when, when Sacramento Republic was announced to be joining the MLS, I need to get on board as soon as possible. I am a little bit of a novice in talking soccer, but not a novice in, 
you know, sports in general. And I'm certainly like giving it all that I've got to get caught up. Um, watched every game this year. And, and I think I am coming along pretty well in my understanding. So, you know, I'll, I'll leave the more, the highly technical stuff to you guys, but I, I certainly uh, am a hot take merchant. So I'll have some thoughts. Yes, that's good. Uh, and we, I, I do have to say when Rich says uh, that he's, he's picking it up pretty well, that's not just him talking it, it like he and I, and you know, the, uh, our, all the other co-hosts and stuff um, that are at games and stuff, you know, we'll talk during halftime or water breaks or whatever. And, and Rich, does know soccer uh, more than I think than he gives himself credit for. Agreed. So, um, well, with that being said, let's kick off our quicker review of Tacoma. Okay. We'll spend a little bit more time on Portland because it's just going to be more important going forward. But we do need to talk about the Tacoma game this past Wednesday for a little bit. I'm going to give the lineup and then I'm going to turn it over to Rich to give his first point, And then Zach and I will kind of discuss it off of that. So here's the lineup. Okay. Uh, in goal was Brady Scott from left to right on, on the, the back line was uh, Asher Pollan, Sargis Mahoney, Gomez. And then your midfielders were Villarreal, Roro, Huaregi. Uh, and then your forwards were um, uh, Lopez, Chavez, and Iwasa. Not necessarily in that order, but that was about the uh, formation. So, Rich, yes, this is clearly our starting 11. No. Um, Rich. What did you pick up from this game? Yeah, so, okay, I, I, I don't want to, you know, I said I was a hot take merchant, and I was going to kind of try to build to that slowly. Um, I wanted to come in here with some pretty pedestrian commentary and then maybe build to some bigger takes as the episode went on, but you're, you're teeing me up here for a Galaxy Brain take right away, <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to let it fly. I I think so obviously you mentioned a bunch of kids in this lineup the the academy guys uh Panagos is a you know first teamer now but he came on late I mean you've got your I think all your 18 year olds except for the goalkeeper Ramos one out there all the teenagers I should say uh, my galaxy brain take here is that Briggs was okay with losing this game not only for the potential of, you know, look, we, you know, to sacrifice a potential result for experience for the young guys, but also something that I've been saying on, on our pod, Rise of the Republic, for a long time is that this team actually should lose a game, um, probably needs to lose a game, because I've been concerned with complacency from this squad all season. And I'm like, they keep kind of playing poorly and getting away with a draw or even a win. and you know, taking a loss in this game, I actually kind of, my galaxy brain take here is that Briggs thought, you know, if we lose this, it's not the worst thing. No, I, I would agree. And I think, I think Briggs looking at the remainder of the schedule, looking at our potential um, for a first place, for a first seed in our group as just being, you know, not, not it's not going to happen. Reno has not lost a game. Reno has not conceded a single point um, all year to a team outside of Sacramento. So I think you're right. I think he walked into this game going, look, it's just not going to happen. Reno's not going to lose the game. Um, they ended up tying, which was, it, it got close. Um, but I think, I think Briggs, yeah, he, he went into it like, we are set. We're the second seed here. Um, 
and we'll take that and we'll give some minutes to some young kids. Yeah. And just really quickly, um, uh, the, the match that I, that, that we were kind of following along with, um, on Wednesday, other than the Republic game, was the Reno and Vegas game, and I've I've just I'm looking at you know Vegas this season and thinking like they just got screwed because of the group they're in. They're actually not a bad team. They're not good. They but they're not beat bad. Up. So I, you know, I think at the end of this season, I I I feel like we make fun of at least a Vegas a lot on our on our show. Um, we make I, fun of their. I, yeah. Outside the pitch, we yeah. make fun of Vegas. Just really quickly, I just have to say, like, Vegas, you kind of got screwed because of COVID. I get it. It sucks. You're going to come back next year and really make some waves. And I'm, I'm looking forward to playing Vegas. The money drops. Yeah. And- I'm actually looking forward to playing Vegas. Okay, okay. that's all I'm saying. Okay. But for this game, um, I, Rich, I get what you're saying with, like, this team, uh, you know, for this team, a loss would have kind of maybe kicked them into high gear and been like, oh, okay, like we, we need to actually, uh, you know, come out guns blazing. I get that. And I, I, when I first heard you say that on your show, I was kind of like, I just disagree. Like there's, there's um, more, I, I think it's more beneficial to win a game than to lose a game, even though it's not really going to affect the standings. And I think in my head, I was thinking that, the starters are playing. If the starters play well and we win, then that is good. That like that generates, you know, positive energy heading into the playoffs. But then when we come into the Wednesday game and we see the lineup, and I, you know, Zach and I's immediate thoughts were Briggs doesn't care about this game. Yeah. But then I'm tweeting out as we're following the Reno Vegas game, like, oh dude, Vegas might pull this off. And like I'm gonna and I was tweeting out, like, dude, this is gonna be embarrassing. Like if they the, the Republic throughout this lineup and they lose or draw, but then Reno loses. And like, it's, it could have set up uh, a, a Saturday close to the regular season where Sac Republic could have taken the first place in, in the West or not in the West in the, in their group. Like in my head, I was thinking like, this was a bad decision. This was bad. But then afterward, as I was kind of thinking about it, I came more around to the idea that this was probably smart. You play Wednesday and then Saturday. You give rest to a ton of your guys. Uh, I think with the exception of Roro and Villarreal, everyone else, I think, got rest. So that's good. And also, I just had in the back of my head, and and Rich, I kind of want to get your thoughts on this too, because you've been following basketball for a very long time, and I want to know if this happens in basketball. But I got this little bit of sense of Briggs maybe saying to these backups, like, hey, this is kind of your shot to impress me going in for next year. Like, you know, your, your role on this team is kind of set for this season, but show me something that makes me want to keep you on the team. Now, maybe he didn't say that directly to them, but Rich, do you think that maybe that played a little bit into all of the squad rotation and, and everything we saw on Wednesday? Yeah, I do. I think that there was a lot of diplomacy and a lot of long-term thinking in, in Briggs's lineup here and also in the next game, which we'll get to in a minute. But I think this was deeply strategic from him. I think he is, you know, first of all, you've mentioned before, like getting Brady Scott potentially, you know, contractually agreed to starts. That could have been the deal there. Um, that could also have been the deal. I think you mentioned with, uh, you know, perhaps a guy like uh, Deckel Keenan, maybe getting him a couple starts in, in the end of the season here. Um, but yeah, n- not only that, like 
in the NBA, I, I wouldn't say it happens that much because you are – it's such an elite league that you're – I guess you've established – you establish your value in a really thorough way throughout 82 games and in the G League and um, and all these different ways. But with a team that is – you know, these guys just aren't paid like NBA players, so I can definitely see the need to uh, – these are a lot short of contracts normally, you know, some prove it games I think is totally fine. Like to give, give a chance for guys that are maybe on the cusp of retiring. Uh, you know, we know that Rafael Diaz considered retirement at one point. So especially with COVID and especially with everything going on to, to really like let a guy know if, you know, do I want to be at this team or to let the team know, do we want to continue to commit to this player? I don't think it's crazy. Um, I don't think it's crazy at all. And then one other thing that, you know, Briggs mentioned uh, after Saturday's game is he's trying to get everyone their their form, their legs underneath them. You know, he wants to have options. So across the last two games, you know, he, he started, I don't know, 18 guys or something like that, you know, 18 different guys. He wants to have options. Yeah, and uh, that was exactly what uh, Zach and I were just kind of like, looking at each other as soon as you said that we both shook our heads like yeah that, that's yeah exactly i think that's exactly uh right in terms of if there's if there's an injury and you have to put cam in i mean you want cam to not have his only minutes be you know 10 minutes here as a substitute or 15 minutes there you want to give him a good run out and to be fair cam didn't look particularly great but he didn't look poor like he didn't look any worse than um, Frank Lopez, who missed a, a few shots. So, I mean, honestly, I, I think this was a very smart move. Um, Zach, I kind of want to go to you. Were there, was there any player that stood out? Was there any moment in the game that stood out? Obviously, you could talk about the goal. What stood out to you other than the lineup about this game? Well, I think, I think Brady Scott, in this, there's, it was a one nothing game, okay? There's, there's not a whole lot of positive talking points for the Republic. Um, but I thought Brady Scott played well. And even Frankie Lopez, there was, there was some runs of play where I remember thinking to myself, okay, like the kid's got, he's got a high motor and, um, and he puts himself in, in decent positions a lot of time. If he's able to finish, he could be, he could be a really good substitute uh, for us going into playoffs. So I think those two players um, in particular played well. I thought the midfielders were okay. You know, the, I thought, um, they moved the ball somewhat well. Um, Andrew Wheeler Aminu came on. He looked a little rusty, but he's been out for a while. So I, I, it was good to see him get minutes um, for kind of, you know, that point you just made of getting people legs, you know, get, getting their legs under them, getting the minutes. Um, so, so yeah, I would say Brady Scott, Frankie, Frankie Lopez, and it was good to see Andrew Wheeler Aminu back on, the, back on the pitch. Yeah, and I think for me, I would say um, it was good to see the kids get out there did they do anything that'll wow you probably not but it was good to see that sacramento has this option to play academy kids uh, when they're trying to rotate their squad uh, I, I think we can start to wrap up this conversation but i want to go i want to end with rich and just say you know rich was there anything that stood out to you in this game anything you want to talk about before we move on to portland yeah my last kind of question to you guys or my last comment on this game i do want to talk a little bit more about frankie lopez he did get all 90, I think, in this one. Um, and I am not 
convinced that he did much with it. And I also just want to mention, uh, I think Zach just referred to him as a kid. I did not know he was <laughs> I, 33. Right when I said it, right when I said kid, I was like, oh, this man's way older than me. Why did I say kid? But no, like, I mean, I just, I, he does have a lot of gas. Like, you know what I mean? Like he, 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 yeah, he does, does, he really does for a 33 year old. I like, I did yeah. not know he was 33 until recently. Are you talking about Frank Lopez or Roro Lopez? Frankie. They're both 33. Really? I, I'm looking up his stuff right now and he says it's 25. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong about that. That I, I'll double check, but I'm going off the, uh, the team's roster web page. Oh, really? Okay, we're going off like a third-party app that says he's 25. So I don't know. This maybe maybe we'll tweet about it. We'll say <laughs> that <laughs> the unknown. Yeah, the age unknown. of Frankie Lopez. So it says uh, May 10th, 1987, on the website on on the Republic website. Oh, you know what? That's the exact same birthday they have listed for Rodrigo Lopez. Oh. So that's oh. they got their Lopez's <laughs> conflated. <laughs> Mm, covid that's, that's right, a COVID I casualty frankie, that's what i that bet is. you frankie's 25 i i yeah probably then i he, think you're right he's not really a kid he he's like a. Well, we're, I, like, we're like brothers we could be brothers yeah. i had to send an email to my editor <laughs> quick <laughs> okay so what was your question again rich to us uh, about frank lopez i mean did he show you anything really that makes you want to inc- include him in the playoff sort of like plans i i don't know i just there was a shot he had like on the ground from outside of the box there was that other one where he missed the goal face entirely but you could argue maybe he's trying to find uh, a runner there i don't know i just wasn't really impressed honestly so nolan was really excited when he saw frank lopez in the starting 11 because he just had a little few minute monologue about how he really wanted to see lopez get some minutes um I leaned more toward your assessment that he was good, but at the end of the day, the chances that he created, the shots that he took, didn't result in anything. They didn't inspire yeah, we, me. It wasn't like he took a shot. Out. Yeah, it wasn't like he took a shot that forced this wonder save, or uh, he had some really good link-up play, or anything like that. It, it was, it was good, but ultimately, he. I, I just don't think he showed me anything that makes me that forces me to think about, Oh wow. I need to really consider this guy as a, as a super impact sub coming off the bench. Zach, he's no end of Olsen. That's for sure. Oh, and I I got a, some, a little something about end of coming up. Then I'll keep it. um, Yeah. I, I, I definitely agree with you. um, And I think Zach does too. And unfortunately I think Nolan probably does as well. Yeah. Reluctantly. Yes. All right. Well, if that's it, we can move on to Portland. Uh, Rich, I don't want to leave you out because I know you said you had a couple things. So anything else before Tacoma, before we move on to Portland? The Frankie thing was the the main question I had. I, we can talk about him a little bit in the next one as well. So he got, he got some minutes there, but I think we've covered it. Yeah. And just really quickly, in, in case you missed it, it was a 1-0 loss um, for Sacramento against Tacoma. Decent little finish, I'll say, by uh, the – uh, Tacoma forward who's scored like five or six goals against us now. Anyway, I don't want to talk about him anymore. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Portland Timbers 2. <laughs> I'm rubbing my hands. I'm smiling very big <laughs> because this was a fun game to watch. It and was. we were it was all fun. at the stadium. There was uh, family members. There yeah. was, I think, maybe a couple of like academy coaches or academy kids. It because was two academy teams. Yeah, because it was the most full the stadium yeah. had been. It was fun to hear. Uh, the, the, those people there. So 
really quickly, we're going to do the same thing. I'll name the lineup and then I'll turn it over to uh, Rich for his first kind of talking point. So the lineup is Rafa Diaz in goal. Possible team MVP? Question mark. Okay. Barahona, uh, left to right for your back line. Barahona, Dekel, Tomas, Hilliard, Arce, McCrary. It's your back four. Your midfielders were Villarreal, AWO, and Roro at the 10, which is something I know Richard probably has to talk about. And then left to right, your front line is Formella, Belmar, and Bijev. So, Rich, we were at this game. We saw these goals. We were inspired by this team. What's the first thing that you just have to talk about? What's your first takeaway from this game? Honestly, I'm so torn. There is so much to dig into here. Um, I will – I could put it off, but – I, I do want to start with Diaz just because you, you mentioned possible MVP there. Um, little preview for anyone that happens to be reading my piece in the B tomorrow, coming out Tuesday. I gave out a bunch of season awards and I did choose Diaz as MVP. Ooh. And I have to just say, I mean, this was a, a really, really really impressive game right I mean like I I think it was originally put at an eight save night but I think it only ended up at seven on the final score sheet but a seven save clean sheet I mean how how incredible has has Rafa been um to say that he has surprised me is an understatement Uh, I, I remember the four games that he got last season after Cohen left uh and before Ooh, uh, Bobby Shuttleworth got here. And then I think he got even like one game after Bobby Shuttleworth was here. And it just, it was good, but it, it was kind of the Frankie thing where it was like, yeah, he was good, but he didn't do anything that makes me want to talk about him. This season's just been the, the opposite. Since uh, Grinwis went down, Rafa Diaz has been great. And I was thinking about it uh, yesterday morning, just as I was, I was kind of pulling together my thoughts for this show. And Rafa Diaz has just been looked over, really, uh, by Sacramento, I think, not too often, but he's just been looked over. He's brought in to back up Josh Cohen. You can't be mad that Josh Cohen was starting over him because Josh Cohen is just a really good goalie. But then Josh Cohen moves on, and you think, like, okay, this is is Diaz time, Mm -hmm. right? They're going to roll with him. Nope, they bring in an MLS veteran goalie in Bobby Shuttleworth, who who played well. Yeah, who played well. And then this season – you think, okay, it, it's now Rafa's time. He's, he's got to be the incumbent. Uh, nope, they bring in another MLS guy and Adam Grinwis. Well, Grinwis goes down. And he finally gets his shot at the starting spot. And then they bring in Brady Scott. And yeah. I was kind of scratching my head, not from the, the why loan in a guy, because we, we kind of figured that they would loan in a guy. But I thought that they would really, just from their track record, the team's track record, bring in a goalie with more experience, someone that would probably play over Rafa. But honestly, Rafa Diaz in those three or four games played so well that I think Briggs and Donovan and just the coaching staff said, we don't really need a starting goalie. We just need someone to back him up. Yeah. And since, since then, since he's taken the gloves, he's just, he's been electric. There's maybe been the odd mistake, but it it's not even coming to my brain what that mis- mistake could be. Zach, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I if you remember a year ago when during in that window 
where Rafa was starting after Josh Cohen had left. I was a big proponent for keeping Rafa in net as our starter. I really liked what I've seen. I had seen from him. I think to be fair, looking back, his ball handling and his passing mm-hmm. was the weakness. That was the weak point. Um, and, and I, I've, I think I've seen that that's definitely grown and gotten better this year. There, I think if I'm like being very critical, there's still room to, to grow in those areas for him, but he's definitely grown. He's, he's, he's shown a lot of talent this year. Um, it's just been cool. Just, it's been cool to see him. I asked about this in the, in the post-match with him. Cause we got to, we got to interview in the post-match. Um, he's just had to be so patient for so long and he's seen so many people, so many great goalies, really some, some great goalies. I mean, Josh Cohen is, is just played Tottenham just started for Maccabee Haifa and played Tottenham like last week. Um, he's, he's, he's learned under some great goalies and I'm so glad to see him in this position. Um, and, and it, and in my opinion, it's been a long time coming. So um, as far as MVP goes, uh yeah i i i don't know that i've i've given this enough thought i guess to like confidently be like yes raf is the man uh but he's certainly in certainly in the conversation rich did you have anything else to add about uh rafa diaz or do you want to save that for the, your uh, your article tomorrow i'll just throw out there that he finished the season with a 77.8 save percentage which is the second best in the entire USL among goalies that actually like played more than a game or two. Stella. Yeah. And I, I remember going back to uh, Josh Cohen, I think finished like second in the save percentage uh, for his like really good year with Sacramento, the full season. Um, and the guy that won it over him, like played the minimum amount of games required, which I think was like 20, but it, it just kind of, it just irked me that like Josh Cohen played almost double the amount of games. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I, I would have to look up who the guy that is ahead of uh, Diaz with the save percentage over him. That's probably where the golden glove is going to go. But I mean, Rafa Diaz defender of the year for Sacramento. I think it's really between, between him and McCrary. And I don't, I genuinely don't think that MVP is out of the realm of possibility for Rafa Diaz. So, uh, Zach, did you? I'm going to jump in real quick. I'm yeah, sorry to cut you guys off. I'm going to jump in uh, to answer that question that it's Kempin of San Diego Loyal who actually played in one more game than Rafa and does have an 83.8% save rate, which is absurd. Dang. Um, so, so fair play to, to such him. such a good team. Well, and I'm, I'm surprised it was him. I, I'm, well, like, as soon as you said, that, you said that, I was like, yes, it is Kempin. But he was actually he got hurt at the beginning, beginning of the year and it looks like he was going to be out, but I think he wow. only ended up missing like two games and came back like three or four. Like it, it was, I remember watching the game and being like, Oh, Kempin's out. That's not good for them, but um, good for, good for Kempin. I can't, you really can't be mad that Rafa Diaz didn't get it. If a guy has an 83 point, whatever percent, <laughs> yeah, that's percentage, absurd. like that's just crazy. That team is so good. Yeah. San Diego is really good. And we can talk more about San Diego uh, later, but I want to go back to, to Zach. Zach, did you have uh, any talking points from this game? What was the thing that stood out to you? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll take a goal. I'll take one of one of the four, four, nothing win for us. Uh, I'll take a goal that I thought really showed 
to at least kind of a maybe a, a big picture um like a really big picture kind of positive um it was the second goal scored by um Darius Formella um this is a long ball uh that finds Belmar Belmar does a great job of heading this ball forward making a great turn showing both of his power his height advantage, his athleticism, making a great run, a great pass to Roro at the top of the 18. And then Roro finds um, good vision, finds uh, Formella to the left of the goal in the box, and Formella slots home a great goal. That's the kind of play, like in this game against Portland, Portland are not a good team. Some of these goals are not goals that are going to get scored against Phoenix. That type of goal can. It showed a lot of talent and a lot of good play from our key players. And, and I think moving forward as we look towards the playoff, uh, we look towards Phoenix, that's the type of stuff that needs to happen. We need Belmar to be that big, strong, athletic guy holding up play, um, moving forward, finding good passes, laying it off to somebody like Roro who has vision, and finding Formella. Formella is the guy with the hot boot right now. Um, finding him in the box is, is going to lead to good things. Um, so that second goal really stood out to me um, in this game in particular. What about you, Rich? Yeah, that, that goal was phenomenal. Belmar has a habit of doing that where he, he can kind of physically dominate a defender. He did it, I think it yeah. was um, the Tacoma game, not, not the away game, but the most recent Tacoma home game where he – he just sized up this like 17 year old defender and is like, Oh, I'm bigger. I'm stronger. I'm yeah. just going to pass it to myself. Uh, I'm just going <laughs> to put this into space and I'm going to like beat him in a sprint and then use my body to exactly. Yeah. Get him out of the way. That is, it's so impressive. Um, and it's something that I don't think anyone else on the team really has that combination of physical ability that he does. And I think that he's so locked in as the nine going forward at this point, I, I just, I don't think that he can be shifted out of that spot. And then this also, this goal like also highlights, you know, you know, you guys, you know that I've been on this rower at the 10 thing for a minute. Um, he did make the right pass there to Formella. And I don't know that say they did that funky thing where they stick like a wasa at the 10 or even Bijev at the 10. I, this just felt like the right play from him. And it just cemented my belief that, that Roro can play that spot. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Actually, I th to be fair. Um, I think if that ball finds Bijev and Bijev is playing the 10 in that circumstance, Bijev looks to take that shot. I think that is, I think that's what he would, he'd probably do. Um, and he wouldn't look to Formella on that left. So that, yeah, I think that's a good point. And also, I mean, with Belmar too, is like we've talked a little bit about this on here. Is Belmar's not Belmar's not the an amazing finisher. He's just not. He he really isn't. But we don't need him to be that amazing finisher. We need him to be this. This is what we need. And this is what we got. And and this is what needs to happen come Phoenix uh this weekend. Yeah. And I think the the thing really that sticks out sticks out to me from this goal is the pace of play. Uh, I'm, Rich, I, I kind of want to hear yeah, your point. thoughts about the, the little comment I'm, I'm about to say because it feels like 
the this whole season things have the the pace of play has been fairly slow it's a lot of not one two touches it's a lot of three four five six seven touches and then a pass is made but this it was like belmar heads it over the defender who's behind him gets on the ball turns looks plays the pass to the top of the 18 roto takes a touch and then curves this like chipped ball kind of around the back of the oncoming uh fullback that's trying to mark him and the fullback trying to mark Roro should have been marking Formella. Formella's wide open, takes a touch, and slots this goal, not to the top right corner, but like kind upper of half. Yeah. It was like, nice. Gets it over the 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 reach of the goalie's hand. And it was all one, two touches. That's what sticks out to me. But Rich, in your first year really watching uh the Sacramento Republic like consistently, do you think I'm I'm right? Does this play feel like it develops faster than the rest of the season? Do you think I'm off? What do you think? No, I think I think you're definitely right. I think this team, you know, it, like from my understanding, you're right. This is my first year really watching the team closely. But from my understanding, it's kind of always been their thing is like defense and, and building out of the back and, you know, making sure that they're not letting in goals. And then, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll win a 1-0 game like they're fine with that. Um, this didn't really feel like that team. This felt like a team that has been motivated and been, you know, credit to Briggs. I would imagine a lot of this goes to him for getting this team some urgency. Um, I think that they've kind of, you know, I, I, I really don't know how to explain all the first five minute goals conceded. I, I really don't know how to explain that, how that's happened so frequently, but the only thing I can really you know, point to is just a lack of urgency where it's like, all right, we're, we're going to build slowly and like find our moments where this one is like, Briggs is probably screaming at these guys, like, go bring me a goal. Like right now, I want a goal right now, you know, go get me that goal. Yeah. I, it, I really just, I, I can't agree with you more with like, I don't know how to explain the goals in the first five minutes. And honestly, if things fall differently, it could there could have been so many more games that looked like this game with Sacramento scoring in the first five minutes. Like I, I was looking at the stats and they had six shots total, four shots on target in the first half, four goals. Like that's pretty that's pretty crazy. But if this is a lot of other games and you know things just fall the you know few inches differently or whatever, uh, Sacramento could easily have flipped the script where they're the ones scoring first and they're the ones that are controlling the play. So I, I really don't know how to explain those first five minute goals. And then when you contrast it with this game where we scored three goals in the first 10 minutes, I mean, it's, it's, it's an insane, like it, it feels like such a stark difference compared to the rest of the season, but really it's not like the team did anything different. It was just the goals, they actually scored them this time. Yeah. They scored um, two in the first five. Yeah. Formella scored two yeah, in the first yeah. five. Um, so I, I did have a, a quick point here that I wanted to um, bring up, and that was um, Andrew Wheeler Amenu. Mm. Uh, like we said, he looked a little rusty on the way, way back to being fully fit, but I think this game he played pretty well. He did, he did what he needed to do, and – um, 
he'll probably, if Skundrick is healthy, he'll probably be on the bench. But I don't know. I'm I'm kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on uh, what that looks like. And I, I kind of want to see what uh, you think, Rich. Do you think uh, Andrew Wheeler, Amanu made a good case to um, be in the starting 11 next week? Or do you think he um, maybe is the first one out for Skundrick? Yeah, I... I've liked so you know I really liked him in back in March in that opening game against Tulsa, but then too. yeah you know he he dealt with some injury stuff he you know and frankly the midfield is just really deep and it's it's hard yeah. to break in yeah and um, COVID, yeah yeah I would say personally that I, I don't have a need for him to be in the eleven I I even think he might be like my fifth midfielder right now like I I would probably if it were up to me, which it's obviously not, I would probably, I would have, I'd have Villarreal easily over him. I'd have Skundrich over him and obviously Roro over him as well. And, you know, borderline Bijev over him, considering that he is in form. Um, you know, I'm not the biggest Bijev fan in the world. I think if you give me an entire season, who, do, who would I rather have? Give me AWO there. But for a game in the playoffs, you need goals. I, I, yeah, he's probably out of it for me. Yeah, I would agree. I, I but I, at least talking with this, like from this game, I thought he offered what Drew offers is that high motor covers a lot of ground. Um, and he seemed to be a little more crisp in passing. So that was good. That was good to see. Um, hopefully we can make a deep run. You're going to need players off the bench. There might be a reason why we would need him. So that's good. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I would, I would agree with Rich, um, and uh, and I hope, yeah, Skundrich is back um, to kind of take back that role in, in as an, as the number six for us. Rich, anything else to add about uh, this Portland Tippers two game before we move on? Yeah, I want to get you guys impressions of the center back stuff that we've seen. Um, we have seen like a tremendous amount of rotation there over the last three games now. I think it's been three different pairings um, with a lot of Deckel mixed in. The return of Tomas Hilliard Arce, um, that was the pair on this night. Sargis, you know, by the way, can I just give a quick shout out to the 17 year old, now 18 year old Sargis for leading the entire team in minutes played this season? That's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, like I wonder. I mean, it's not. I think you guys. I'll ask the question to you. But um, you know, I mean, Scott, are, do you think that Sargis is just not not in this center back pairing going into the playoffs? Okay, I'm super glad you brought this up because if you didn't, I was going to. Like, I have some thoughts about <laughs> this. Um, I was talking with Matt George, who I, I know you know um, from KCK Sports Radio, and he was. He, he was basically saying that he just didn't feel like Sargis the past couple of games played well. Uh, and going into the playoffs, you need your center backs to be playing well. Um, they can't be doing the things like we saw Sargis do when he came on at, uh, as a substitute against Portland. He gave the ball away. Um, he wasn't communicating super well from what I saw. Like nothing stood out to me that he was, uh, you know, really communicating a lot. Um, 
and we've seen him make a couple of defensive lapses. So I, I don't know how training went, but I definitely think that Briggs was saying, Hey son, you know what? You've had a great season. As you said, Rich, he, he did, he is leading the team in minutes played, but it's, it's, we just need something a bit more consistent. So here comes Deco Keenan and Tomas Hilliard Arce, which I, I mean, we can say that they're good, they're bad, they have good qualities, they have bad qualities, but they get it done here against Portland. And, and they have experience. Yeah, and, and I'm thinking forward, maybe I'm, I'm skipping ahead too much to the preview against Phoenix, but I feel much more comfortable with Deckel and, and Tomas than Sargis in for one of them. And it's, it's not just because of defensive lapses or losing the ball because he, he's too aggressive with his passing. But it's more because that these two guys are really good in the air and against a Phoenix team that is good with set pieces, has a big, strong center yeah, forward. Has a roof out Dadashov. You, you want your center backs to be able to bang some shoulders and throw some elbows. Not, <laughs> not so Deco. much that you get carded, Deco, but like, you want some guys that aren't going to be afraid. And I think getting, what did he start, 15 games, Sargis? I think those 15 games were great for his development. And it's now time to say, okay, it's the playoffs. We need our best guys. And you're not on form right now. Um, but Zach, what did you thought? You were just saying that you got something. Yeah, I, I want, I want Sargis. I want to, to sit here and say, yes, it should be Sargis. But, because he offers so much upside, you know, those, those long balls. We've seen him on multiple occasions this year create major scoring chances that have multiple times led to goals because of his, his leg and his, um, his ability to create a great, exceptional, accurate long ball. But he has struggled, and he's 18, and that's not surprising. Um, so if we, if we play Phoenix um, this weekend and, and – Deckel and Thomas Hilliard Arce are our center backs. I wouldn't be surprised and I wouldn't be upset about it. Um, I want to want Sargis to be there, but I understand if he's not. What about you, uh, Rich? Anything else to add? Yeah, you know, I, I'm with you guys. I, you know, it's funny we haven't talked about Mahoney, but that is fait accompli at this point. Like he just, he, he made too many mistakes late in the season. I think he's, he's out of it. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah. And I guess we are transitioning a bit into the, the preview for Phoenix, but just in general, if you're talking about who's going to start there in any playoff game against any team, you do need like actual defenders there. Um, and, and Sargis isn't like a bad, well, he's a good, he's not, I mean, the value that he brings, he's just young. he is young, he's developing, but his, yeah, but his best traits are not or it's because he's so skillful in things that aren't traditional he has he has uh super, you know he has superfluous skills or however you say it. he has Ooh. he has skills that are not big enough for expected nolan in the big words department i i blow i blew it i i, I fumbled the bag <laughs> on that one <laughs> you're good but like you know what i mean like Deckel and tomas are they don't have any special skills outside of the standard set of skills you want from a center back Sargis has those things, but they're more sturdy in, in those expected areas. They're definitely stronger. They're definitely bigger. 
they're definitely angrier and meaner, definitely better in the air. <laughs> I spoke with Tomas uh, one-on-one um, after practice one day, and I asked him about – I was talking to him about Skundrich, and they, the two of them were co-captains at Stanford together. And he mentioned that, like, Skundrich was, like, the diplomat, and Tomas was, like – it was kind of a good cop, bad cop thing with them. And, and Tomas is like a very fiery dude. He is very loud. He's very willing to scream at his teammates if, if they're making a mistake. You know, Tomas told me he's, you know, he's hitting the smelling salts and he's slapping himself in the face before games, running into walls, preparing himself for hits because he's going to take them in just a minute. I don't, it's not that I'm in no way calling Sarge's soft, but any 18 year old is going to be soft compared to, Deckel Keenan and Tomas Lillard Arce. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It, it's almost like um, in, in I don't know, maybe two years, we'll look at Hayden Sargis and go, okay, this guy not only has the experience, but he's got the defensive skills necessary to be successful at a high level. And he's got something a little bit more than that. Like his passing is next level. Or, you know, maybe he's versatile. Maybe he can play center back. Maybe he also can play left back, stuff like that. Like, he's, he's just not the finished product yet. And he doesn't have anything to fall back on, like just superior uh, positioning or, or whatever, because he's, he just he doesn't have that experience yet. He, he needs to just be given the opportunity to continue growing. And... Again, fair credit to the coaching staff. They rode with Sargis through the ups and downs this year. That's what you have to do when you develop a young player. But you you don't want to ride the ups and downs when you're in the playoffs. So I, I really don't see this as like a huge negative. It was almost maybe to be expected. Like you, you just need to go with the guys that you trust. And if you don't 100% trust Sargis to not make a mistake, then you, you just got to put him on the bench and say, hey, bud, you're going to get 25 starts next season and you're going to progress so much. It's just not these games right now for you. Nothing bad. That's just, that's football. That's life. That's sport. Um, anything else to add, uh, Rich, before we move on? Um, on this game, I'm, I think I'm good. I, I got a couple questions before we get into the, the preview. Yeah, Zach, you're good as well? Yeah, let's get to Phoenix. All right, Phoenix. Phoenix Rising FC. Guys, do we need to talk about the, the Wednesday game between Phoenix and San Diego briefly before we go into a preview of this? Or are we just going to tell people that they can look up the news on that and, and fill themselves in? What do you think, Rich? I think you guys did a pretty good job covering it in your last episode. So anyone that's listening to the Rise of the Republic stream can, can check out that one. Um, and we probably don't need to dissect it too much, but, but yeah. Yeah, I, I think the only thing that I'll say very quickly is Junior Fleming's is on administrative leave, as well as the head coach. But I don't think that's a, as big of a deal. But there will be probably no Junior Fleming's for this game, which is very good for Sacramento. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, so I've got some things to say. I know Zach's got some things to say. I want to start with you, Rich, as we uh, wrap up this show, as we talk about Phoenix. What do you think uh, is just just one of the the things that you need to bring up with previewing the Phoenix Rising? So real quick, do we know that that 
administrative leave is extending through the weekend? Yeah, I don't. That's why I was like, it'll probably, he'll probably be suspended or on administrative leave. I, I really, I, I just really can't see Phoenix being like, okay, we're going to put you on administrative leave for one game. But then when it comes really important, uh, we'll, we'll bring you back. Like that's just a terrible optic. It's it not a good look. Yeah. So, but <laughs> I don't know. It's second division soccer in the U S yeah, we'll like see. We'll, we'll see that it's, it's a crazy world we live in. Anything can happen. I'm not ruling it out, but if I had to put odds on it, tells you. My, yeah, my gut says he probably won't be there. Man, um, yeah. I would like to know before I fully, I guess, commit to to understanding, like, how big – I mean, that, that's a big deal. Like, you know, Junior Flemings, he's going to win the Golden Boot. He's probably the best goal sc- – I mean, that's debatable, I suppose, but – Certainly in terms of his production, been the best goal scorer in the entire USL this season. Um, I mean, this team is stacked. Like, uh, they have the reigning MVP in Solomon Asante. This team is incredibly stacked going forward. But the one thing I'll point out, and I pointed it out on Twitter on match night, is that, you know, we may be catching them at their worst. They, they you know, they stumbled through a few games. And then, yeah, like you mentioned – this whole controversy that's going on, you may be catching them at like at the best time to catch them. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. If you look at Phoenix's games this season, there have only been two teams that have really caused them trouble. I, you could say a third with Vegas. There was a three, three draw with Vegas, but Phoenix was up three to one and then just kind of collapsed in the past, the last 10 minutes of, it was really extra time. There was like 10 minutes of extra time and they collapsed. But there have been really two teams that have given Phoenix trouble. The first is Orange County. Orange County has beaten them 1-0, has drawn 1-1, and then Phoenix has beaten Orange County 1-0. That does not sound like Phoenix rising games. That's, no. that, that shows me that Orange County was able to do something to disrupt Phoenix. And if you, you, know, if you were so uh, inclined, go back and watch some of those games because I'm sure there's going to be something there that will stick out uh, that – will be important for Sacramento to, to try to mimic this, this upcoming game. And then the second team is actually San Diego. San Diego beat Phoenix 3-2 to two with a first-half hat trick from Rubio Rubin a few weeks ago. And then before they forfeited this match on Wednesday, San Diego were up. They were up 3-0 they until were up three, the 45th minute. Yeah, they are up 3-0. Uh, I, th- I think it was 2-0, and then Phoenix scored, and then San Diego added a third. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but still, they were up three to one at half. So, whatever San Diego was doing, definitely Sacramento yeah. needs to do. Um, and I was kind of looking at those stats, and they had a ton of possession in yeah. the first half. They had a decent amount of shots and a lot of shots on target. Um, and they honestly, they just didn't let Phoenix get into a groove. Yeah. When Phoenix did into, get into a groove, they scored. Yeah. So, um, it's kind of getting a little bit ahead of, of my thoughts, but um, I think one of the things Sacramento has to do in terms of preventing Phoenix from scoring is breaking up play. You can't let them get into a passing rhythm. You can't just sit back and expect uh, Phoenix to not be able to create anything because they will. Yeah. So you have to break up those, those patterns of play. Um, Zach, you have something to add? Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, 
what often gets them into that rhythm is capitalizing on your mistakes. That's what they love to do. They love to counter and they love to capitalize on your mistakes. They have the talent in which they can do that. They can um, sit back and wait for those moments. And that's what they can have initiate that rhythm. Um, and that's what often happens. That's how they score a lot of goals because they've, the players that are so talented to where you make a mistake, all right, we're going to put together a string of great passes and get to the, the side of the 18 and cross the ball in up top to Dadashov or cross the ball in low, far post to, to Flemings. Like, or if that's not there, Solomon Asante, the league MVP from last year, is going to take you one-on-one and, and put a great shot on net. So for us moving forward this weekend, we have to – we have to like, we have to eliminate those mistakes, which is it has come and gone in this year for Sacramento. We've had games where we've played crisp and we've played well, and and we've seen that from especially from our midfielders, from Skundrick, from Jaime, um, initiate such good passing sequences and and have games be crisp, um, and have our our number nine hold up play, Belmar hold up play well, and distribute well, and not make mistakes. That needs to happen this weekend. We have to limit our mistakes because they will capitalize and they will counter on those. And if you allow them to do that, they have the talent to put balls away quickly. Yeah, so I said uh, break up their play. Zach is saying that Sacramento needs to uh, limit their mistakes. Rich, what do you think needs to happen for, for Sacramento to be successful this weekend? So I can't put myself where you guys are at as far as any analytics here. I have never watched a phoenix rising game um so i'm gonna have to fully defer and listen to you guys as far as a strategy standpoint but i can look at numbers and i will point out just that it's kind of echoing what i said before but just to point out that over their first 12 games they outscored opponents 38 to 10 and in their last four it's been eight to seven so basically an even margin so you're going from you know an expected or an average 3-1 win to basically a 2-2 draw. So, you know, my only – I don't have anything tactical to give you. My only point here is that I think if you go in believing that you can win, if you carry on the momentum that's been built up here from a mildly embarrassing loss to Tacoma and then a really emphatic win at home in what I really feel was a dress rehearsal for the type of mindset – that this team is going to take into the playoffs and perhaps address rehearsal in terms of the lineup to a lot in a lot of ways, you know, if, if this team thinks that they smell blood in the water and they think that they're catching Phoenix at a low point and can go out there and stay engaged early uh, or start engaged and stay engaged. Um, if they steal this game, you know, maybe they get to go to Reno. It was a team that they know that they can beat and they know that they can beat them in Reno. So I think, as far as, you know, where the, the heads of these Republic players are at, like it's probably a really good spot, honestly. Yeah, well, no, I, I think you're 100% right. They're probably looking at Reno, or not Reno, probably looking at Phoenix and going, this is a team we can beat. I remember even Briggs saying uh, in a post-match, this was maybe a month ago, um, that, you know, there's, there's no one in this league that scares him. There, there's no team in this league that scares him. Every team he thinks with the squad he has, they're beatable. So I think honestly, uh, Sacramento 
did exactly what you were saying, Rich. They were, they had the mentality of let's show Reno what they're in for. You're sorry. What? Both. Let's show both (laughs) Reno and Phoenix what they're in for. Yeah. Um, Let's show Phoenix that if you don't capitalize on your chances, you're going to, you're going to be in a a deficit because we will capitalize on our chances. We're not just going to score a goal early. We're going to score three goals early. Are you ready for that? Are, Are you up for that Phoenix? Because not only are you um, in a, a little bit of a slump, but like people don't like you right now. Like you don't even have your own fans on your side right now because of the events of uh, this past week. Yeah. So I, I really think that Sacramento is, is in, as you were saying, Rich, like the mental state to just destroy Phoenix. And, and I don't necessarily mean like they're going to score five goals. What I'm saying is I think most people would look at Phoenix versus Sacramento and go, yeah, Sacramento's good, but Phoenix is better, and Phoenix will probably win nine times out of ten. I really think Sacramento is going to surprise them with how competitive this game is going to be. And, and Rich, I know you were saying you don't watch the game, but imagine how Sacramento plays, right? You have um, this very – you know, counter-pressing type of system. So, you know, Sacramento throws a lot of guys very high defensively to try to win the ball back very high. Imagine that style of play versus uh, a team that is very good at passing, just little passes, pass, 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 pass. That's, that's Phoenix. So you have this team that wants to uh, force you into mistakes up the field in Sacramento, and then you have a team in Phoenix that says, our players are just better than yours and we can just play around you. Like you're not even there. Like you're just a a, a traffic cone and we're just at practice. These are two very interesting styles of play. And when we, in the past, when we see teams that are very good at passing face teams that are very good at pressing there, there's never a like, Oh, this game ended one, one. It's like, Oh, the team that was pressing, they scored four goals because the team that was trying to pass, they just couldn't do anything. Or it's the opposite. It's the team that was passing, was just so good at passing that no amount of defensive pressure could face them. And they were able to score four goals. That's kind of what I, I see happening is one of these teams is going to have to switch to plan B. Whoever has the better, more rehearsed plan B, I think is going to be the team that's successful. So for Sacramento, what happens when you're in possession? Who, who's able to do something magical that, you know, when, if Phoenix sits back a little bit, who's able to, to unlock that defense? Is it Roro? Is it Formella? Is it Bijev? Is it maybe Werner off the bench? Um, who's able to do something magical to create that goal? Or for Phoenix, if Sacramento, um, you know, comes out and, and really presses you, what are you, are you, do you have a, a plan B? Is it playing long balls over the top to Solomon Asante? Is it uh, getting Dadashov way more involved than normal and having him drop much deeper and receive passes and, and be a bit more of a creator? Is it um, something where maybe you press Sacramento and you make them uncomfortable defensively and you win the ball high up the field? Whoever has a better plan B is probably going to be the team that wins this game because Sacramento's identity, I feel like, is so clear and so is Phoenix's that uh, – teams are going to be they're going to be very well prepared for each other and uh that goes i i think to what the mentality that rich was talking about was like if sacramento's mentality is like dude no matter what comes at us we're not going to be faced 
we know what plan A, what plan B, what plan C, and what plan D is, and we can execute them effectively. And I think the last thing I'll say before I um, kind of turn this over to Zach to talk about uh, something that he wants to see from this game is Briggs is implementing a system with half a season before yeah. playoffs. <laughs> like not even really. Like think about how well this team would be clicking if there was another 16 games to go, another 18 games to go, because that's what it, that's what it would be. We've only played half of a regular season and it feels like it just happened on Saturday that there was a complete game from start to finish. Sacramento dominated offensively. They dominated defensively. Portland could do nothing. Just imagine if this was a regular season, the next half of the season with Sacramento clicking, firing on all cylinders. That's, I think, the Sacramento that we're going to see on Saturday. We're going to see a team that wants to show everyone that they're not the other good team in Group A. They're, they're not Reno, and then there's, yeah, there's Sacramento, and then everyone else. They want to show the league, I think, that they deserved to be in the conversation with the best teams in the league. And that it wasn't a fluke that they beat Reno twice. And it, it's not going to be a fluke that they beat Reno at home or Phoenix at home. It's not going to be a fluke that then when they go back to Reno, probably in round two of the playoffs, that they beat them again. I think that's the mentality that this team has. And I think that's what Rich is talking about. But I've been talking for a while. So <laughs> Zach, that's good. Do you, do you have anything else to add for uh, this preview? Well put. If I could, if I could just get a, maybe a little bit more practical on what I want to see, because I think what you said, is, it was great. Um, three things. Center backs, if the center backs are competent, they don't need to be amazing. If the center backs are, if the center backs are comp, competent, if the midfielders distribute well and limit mistakes, and Belmart, Belmart, <laughs> Belmar holds up play well and distributes well, we will win this game. Those are the three things I need to see. We have a goalie that will bail us out. We have great fullbacks. We have Formella that's, that's got a hot boot. If those three things happen, I think the other pieces will fall into play and we will come out with a win. What about you, Rich? I think you, you really hit the nail on the head with the center backs. I think that surprisingly, like this game might be determined by uh, Deco Keenan and Tomas Oliarse. Mm-hmm. Like the outcome of this season might be determined by these guys. And it is not great. I, I will just say like my confidence is not amazing. Like Deco Keenan is, is what, 30, yeah. 35, 36. Like that man is very slow. Yeah. Um, and Thomas Hilliard Arce is not Hilliard much faster. His hips are a nightmare. His hips? His, his, his Tomas, work, your hips? His, his hips and his feet are nightmarish at times. He cannot. Oh, yeah, for sure. He takes five steps like when, when one step is needed. He chops his feet so badly. If one ball gets stuck under his feet, like that could be a goal. And I think an early goal, that could be the end of the game. Like yeah. the mentality break yeah. there. Um, so I think it's going to be on Villarreal and Scundrich or Willier Amanu, whoever is you know, healthy or whatever, good to go there to come back and receive easy passes from them. I do not want those guys making difficult passes. Um, 
you know, and, and Barahona and McCrary as well, there was some communication errors uh, on Saturday from them just getting the ball out, you know, uh, into the wings or, or to the midfielders. That's going to be a key. I think they're going to need to, like, really protect those two. And then, yeah, I mean, obviously what it's going to come down to ultimately at the end of the day is will our guys, their public guys, will they actually finish? Like, will they actually finish? I think that those are the two keys. Formella is so streaky. Werner has been – his conversion rate is minuscule, microscopic this year. Belmar, I don't, I don't think he's gotten a goal in, in uh, free play. Like, right, like, he's only had that one penalty. I, I, I don't know that our odds are amazing. But if those two things happen, if, if Deckel and Tomas Tilliardarse don't let the ball get caught under their feet, and if Formella and Werner and, and Belmar can actually put shots on target and not directly in the goalkeeper's hands, then yeah, you could win. Yeah, I, so defensively, these were kind of my notes. They have 43 goals this season, 10 from set pieces, which is a lot, five penalties, which is a, a decent amount. 28 from open play. Of those open play goals, I went back and watched every highlight from every game, and I counted Fleming's having 11 goals, Dadashoff had six, Solomon Asante had five, and then there were six others. Fleming's isn't there. So you're missing a quarter of your goals this season. Like that, That's from gone. open play, yeah. From, from, no, just from the season. A quarter of your goals. I mean, oh, they yeah, scored 43. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. has um, 14. That's like a quarter of your goals. Um, so how are you going to limit Dadashoff? big center backs. Okay, you're taking care of that. How are we going to limit Solomon Asante? Because he's going to be going up against Juan Barahona, who gets forward very well. So you can't get caught out in transition because Solomon Asante will rip you up. That's number one. Number two, they love a low far post cross. So you have to mark your man. You can't have a Reno situation where there's two guys on the far post completely unmarked. You, You can't have that. They will destroy you. You have to mark your man all the way across the face of goal. Um, So whether it's Dadashov, whether it's Asante, it doesn't matter. You have to put a guy on them. Um, and then set pieces. Like I says, just said, they can score a lot from set pieces, corners, free kicks, whatever. You have to, again, mark your man on set pieces. You, you, can't, you can't give them an inch. Um, and then lastly, for Sacramento, how are you going to score? I think we've talked about it. You have to have that something special, like Thomas Edavoldson against New Mexico last year has a a truly an amazing goal. Deep, deep cross from Sam Werner. Toma, uh, Ennevoldson takes it out of the air. Volley puts it near post. I mean, that, that's, that's the type of goal we're going to need from one of our amazing attackers. Yeah, it's playoffs. Yeah. Everybody's looking for that. You need and that. we need it too. And then lastly for Sacramento, you're going to have to capitalize on your set pieces. So you're going to need Deckel or Tomas Hilliard-Arce to get ahead on something. You're going to need... Roro and Barahona to have amazing service the whole game. You're going to need somebody to be scrappy. You're going to need Belmar or Formella or someone to just get in there and pick up a loose ball and put it on frame hard. You're going to need that. It's, it's not just as simple as don't make mistakes. You need something special. You need to capitalize on every chance you have because if you don't, this team will beat you. Um, so with that, we are just about done i think uh nothing else from zach he's giving me the the thumbs up the good old thumbs up yep uh what about you rich anything else you want to add before we get out of here that's it man thanks so much for for doing this crossover with me i think it's gonna yeah. be i think the people will love it 
Yeah, and cool and of course, um, we just want to say again, you know, our thoughts and prayers are with, um, yep, Blake. There you go, your co-host, <laughs> as as uh, he's dealing with some some family stuff, um, and uh, you know, hopefully he's able to catch this game, and um, hopefully sometime in the off season we'll be able to uh, do it again. Do it again, yeah. Absolutely, sounds great, guys. Rich, would you like to join us in the the nine one six Republic sign off? Oh no, no! I, uh, I guess we could. I guess I don't know. We should. I listen to your guys' pod every week. I, why do I? Why do I not know what this is? Oh, all we say is glory, glory, Sacramento. So okay. Scott, Scott will say glory, glory, and once it, he's done, we'll all three go Sacramento. Okay, that's also the intro, is it not? Yeah, it kind of is. Okay. All right. got, no. Yeah, you pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, I got you. I got you. Bookends here. I got it. All right. Yeah. yeah. Hit me. Let's do it. All right. Well, as always, glory, glory. Sacramento. Sacramento. Hey, you were close. Yeah, you were close. Yeah. <laughs> A plus. <laughs> <laughs>